You're listening to Live Wild Radio, the part-time adventure podcast. Join us as we explore how outdoor adventures build mind, body, and spirit. Welcome to Live Wild Radio. I'm Catherine. I'm Winston. And we've got Dean from the Dean Douglas Show. Uh, Dean's got his own podcast. We actually met, I think it was back in the summer. We were on a mutual friend's uh, event. She, Alyssa Payne, she's the founder of the Wind Journal. She had an event called Punch Fear in the Face. I spoke on it. I um, talked a bit about facing fear and starting this whole episode because it was a thing for me and the growth behind that. And then uh, that's how Dean and I connected. Soon after that, we talked some more and we decided let's collaborate. And I was on his podcast, I think it was episode 18, where I talked about rebuilding my life. Aside from us sharing common interest and adventure, Dean, you're into climbing and the outdoors. I think there's a big story to be told about the adventure in life. And you've done some pretty big moves yourself. So why don't you, I'm going to turn it over to you. Um, Tell us a bit about yourself. What are you doing these days? What brought you to the state? Yeah, for sure. First, thanks so much, Catherine and Winston, for having me on on the podcast. And for those who haven't heard our episode uh, where Catherine and I chat, I highly recommend you do so. I I listened to it not that long ago, and it it was great to listen to it a second time and picked up a lot of really great little gems and and good nuggets away from that conversation. So thanks for coming on my show. But uh, so who am I? That's a, that's a, that's a big question. Um, So I am 32. And I recently my wife and I recently moved from Winnipeg, Manitoba, we're both born and raised in Winnipeg. And uh, we moved to Penticton, British Columbia, a year and I think two, three days ago. Um, so it was January 26th of 2020 that we arrived in Penticton. And what a year it was. Uh, 2020 was just a, a whirlwind of a year for, for everyone. And it was a very strange year to be in a new city, a new part of the country, a new province. We didn't know anyone. Uh, We didn't have any family or friends here in Penticton. We had visited the Okanagan a couple of times. We just loved the lifestyle out here. And when we made the move out here, it was like the universe was kind of like just opening doors and we were actually walking through them and then another door would open. And it was just very fluid and it wasn't like pushing a rock up the hill. So I think there's something there in terms of making big decisions, maybe see how much resistance you are experiencing in that. And maybe it's just not the right time. And maybe in the near future, um, maybe there is another opportunity and it might not be as difficult, but I'm not, I'm not afraid of pushing something up the hill. If maybe the reward is really sweet. I don't know. I could kind of play both sides of the coin on that one. But um, yeah, so we, we ended up moving out here. It was very difficult for me to get a job because everyone was in a hiring freeze. And I'd always kind of wanted to start my own business and was in a position to be able to do that just with my wife being able to work. And, um, and then we just had this time where I could actually try to have my own business. So I got incorporated on June 11th. I had my first client on June 15th and it was, I know it was just great. I guess there was just opportunities that became available. And, and then I just put myself out there as much as possible, tried to get involved in the community as safely as possible amidst COVID. Um, So just, I tried to be really open to, any relationship that I was able to make. And um, I think it's been great. It's been a a roller coaster of uh, the last six or so months to try and learn how to run a business. There's been challenges for sure. Um, But uh, overall, it's been a great experience. And in my business, I kind of specialize in 
building websites. Um, but then I can be like, I've been a couple of companies like head of marketing and I oversee their whole marketing strategy for their company. It's been overall really well received just, uh, people realize because of the pandemic that if they don't have a good online presence now is the time that really has pushed them to be like, Oh yeah. Okay. We should have a really good website. <laughs> and if not, it's time to update or create a new one. So, um, I think timing has, has a lot to do with it as well. Yeah. It's been a weird year in terms of like on the personal side of making like friendships out here, that's been challenging just cause you know, I haven't been able to, I play soccer, for example, I haven't been able to join a soccer team. I've gotten into rock climbing, shared interest of uh, both you guys and a lot of your listeners. And that community is amazing, very supportive, welcoming, open. Uh, so out here, we're like a 10 minute drive to Skaha Bluffs, which is um, a provincial park and they have world-class climbing out here. And so we did um, yeah, a day long training course with uh, like a local legend here in town and um, just got to meet a couple of local climbers here and I've gone out climbing this summer which has been amazing and uh, and then I joined the indoor climbing gym because we're now in winter at the time of this recording and have been going there try to every week and um, meet Sorry, some people. Is it still open? Your, your indoor climbing gyms? It is. Yeah. Oh man! <laughs> yeah, ours are closed. I yeah. mean, we had a maximum of ten per, uh, you know, in, in indoors. Um, they were doing it, and so we were booking. But um, I, I want to ask. Um, first of all, for our listeners from the U.S., Canadians moving from anywhere in the province to another place is a big deal. Uh, I just say that because in the U.S., people do it all the time, but in Canada, people kind of stay put. Mm -hmm. So really, they do. Yeah. Oh, I guess I'm from the East Coast. Yeah. And people from the well, East Coast are always moving well, to always, Ontario. Yeah. Well, they have no choice. <laughs> <laughs> but for Ontarians or people, um, you know, or especially with big economic centers, they tend to not move so much. Um, but I think even just the mentality, right? Of especially when you're at the start of your career, right? You're already established. You're starting, and then you have an opportunity to move elsewhere, pick up and go. Talk a bit about that, because that's that's facing fears for some people. And there was a you know risk associated. I know your wife had a job. You did not. And then you're like, hey, you know, I've always wanted to start a business. Like, mm -hmm. what did you, you know, what was that like? What did you learn during that process? Like, was it as hard or as was it as bad out there as, you know, some people would kind of make it out to be versus just going ahead and doing it? Mm -hmm. I guess having the experience of already moving to Ontario kind of opened our eyes to see what is it like to live outside of Manitoba? What's it like to live in Southern Ontario? How do people live there? What's the climate like, environment, amenities, et cetera. And so I think that, I think that just helped having that experience to be like, okay, you know what, we moved out there. Um, you know, it was overall a good experience. There's like challenging parts in that experience as well, but there was, uh, and nonetheless experience and that helped us have the confidence to be like okay let's go and try a different province and and I think we can we can do this again um yeah I don't know leap of faith I guess you, you can look at it but you can kind of break down break it down to like what were the things that we were moving towards or what were we what we were what were we going to gain and I think one of them was like lifestyle and climate we knew that was kind of a guarantee and uh and that's huge like what we can do in our spare time was really important to us and out here it's a it's a playground it's just it's unbelievable I have like guilt sometimes with being able to like go skiing or rock climbing or go on the lakes and go boating or you name it hiking cycling it's it's crazy so um the lifestyle was kind of the main big draw and um but yeah there's definitely an element of unknown and fear in making a big change and to put like perspective for like american listener listeners like in winnipeg you drive like eight hours in any direction and like you know the most 
next big metropolis would be like Minneapolis, which is like eight hours south. Um, I mean, it takes like over five and a half hours for Regina. And I know then, you know, it's 11 hours to Calgary. So it's a bubble in the center of Canada. It's very kind of isolating in its own way. So um, I tell you, there's a lot of difference between living in BC and living in Manitoba and keeping up with how the provinces are um, just communicating information regarding COVID is different. I feel like each province is kind of operating like its own country in some ways through COVID. So um, I feel like BC is doing an amazing job um, at, uh, I know, maintaining, keeping our economy somewhat open or open safely, just balancing, I think, the mental health and, and physical safety uh, of COVID. So um, I don't know. I also kind of just lean into fear. I think that's really important. We had talked about that on our podcast. And I think on the, I think you had said on the other side of fear is what you want. And I totally agree. I think, you know, using rock climbing as an analogy, like when you do go for that next move that you've been struggling with and you, you know, land it and then you keep going, like you, like that's what you wanted. It just, it's a, it's a really good feeling. So I think if you are afraid, I think there's things that you can do to lean into it safely and be able to overcome your, your fear. I think the key thing, it's always like, oh shit, that was easier than I thought. (laughs) Or I didn't realize I was a strong, you know, that that's usually what goes through my mind over and over again. And, and we, you know, I try and talk about that because I think a lot of what we're talking about on this podcast is, you know, the outdoors and challenging yourself is just an opportunity to grow. And it always tends to be leaning into those fears. Yeah, totally. I think a good litmus test is like, does whatever you're thinking of doing, do you have like a little bit of like discomfort? And I think that's actually, I think for the most part, I think a good kind of sign that's kind of like your gut or intuition saying like, oh, I don't know. I think, in, I think deep down, if you know what you should be doing, I think you just need to prioritize the thing that's in your head. That's really I don't know, going back to like thinking of when I was in school, it's just like, okay, you know, the biggest assignment that's like most important to whatever, you know, you're, you're in four, four courses, but there's one test that is coming up. You like, you know, that you need to prioritize that, but you don't want to, but it's the one thing that you should be doing and then you can move on. And so I think you can just kind of apply that same logic in when you're an adult and you're trying to adult. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think there, there's a, a thing. It almost is analogous to fitness, right? Which is uh, most people when it comes to working out like to do the things they're already good at. Uh, and because you're comfortable, yeah. nobody likes to do what you're shitty at, yeah. but by doing the things you suck at, um, because it's essentially low-hanging fruit, um, you actually make way more progress because you know mm-hmm. you know you're already good at something. So getting better at something you're good at is incremental gains. Um, but you can do these giant progress at things you suck at. Totally, uh, so it's, it's developing that um, into just your life, not just working out. Uh, but it's one of those things where if you're already, uh, you know, good at writing, for instance, but um, speaking, talking, public presentations scare the shit out of you. Well, by working on your writing some more is going to get you a little bit. But doing the thing that scares you that you suck at, you're, it doesn't take long to see some big improvements. Um, and just like exercise, uh, you know, when you do these things over and over again, you know, you run into the thing where, where it's almost like your brain, you know, like how, how you stimulate your muscles and the fibers, you know, basically respond and grow stronger. Mm -hmm. Um, 
it's the same idea. Or for us climbers, our hands, they get calloused, right? As, as Catherine's fond of saying, because she's been like listening to David Goggin's book, you know, you got to callous your mind, <laughs> you know, it's like, but it, but it, it, it's a, you know, skill that builds like within you. Um, and for anybody, as far as like the, the fear thing, um, I think it, it, the, the biggest takeaway for people is the hardest part is just starting it. Yeah. Mm. Like anything you do, you get better at it. Right. Mm -hmm. And then facing fear stops being uh, a thing you're afraid of. And then it's like, oh, well, I guess it's push up day. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think just breaking your fear down into like micro things that you can do helps you, especially since I think what you're afraid of is, is doing it. Mm -hmm. And anytime you try anything new, you are building new neural pathways in your brain to be like, oh, this is how I do that. Or this is how I don't do that. And I'm going to remember that and do try something else the next time. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think like if you break down a move, it's like, okay, well, because we had moved already the second time, it was a lot easier. Yeah, you kind of get into the zone and you just break down into little bits and pieces or using a rock climbing analogy, you just know the route and maybe you've only been able to climb up to this part. And so you do up to that part and then you try that one extra hold and then that worked or that didn't work. And you just break it down and keep trying like one little piece at a time. So I think too, that's helpful with, with COVID and like, I think everyone's like mental state, like we, we don't have the capacity to think, uh, you know, like on a global scale and take on all the like challenges of like all these countries mingling. And then, and then with our own country, our own country is so big. And then, and then our province and then the city, it's just like, we need to remember to like break down, like, what am I going to do today for just myself? And how can I get through today and not have to worry big picture? And hopefully your day is, you know, safe and, you know, doing things that you need to do. But I think we need to like break, break things down to like the micro level. Um, and, and, and over time, I think it'll help the big picture of the macro level. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of fascinating too, like the, uh, mental health aspect of this pandemic because on one hand it's a marathon uh, sorry <laughs> well definitely it is that right um it's not like an acute crisis right where it's like you know like a car accident you know it's going to be dealt with uh you know within a couple of hours right emergency responders all that kind of thing this is just you know your your odds of dying on any given day are very low, right? Of anything truly life-threatening. But it's this, both the unknown, which obviously causes its own stress, but then just the fact that it just keeps going and going, and, you know, because you saw sort of in summer, people were like, we're wearing masks, but we're still out doing stuff. Yeah. Right? It's like, oh, this is cool the new normal, but we're, we're, you know, you could meet with people outdoors. Uh, you could, you know, there were sort of different things, right? So it was just like, oh, it's cool. Um, and then fall comes and then of course, sort of the second wave. Uh, and, you know, I think part of the reason we've seen such a huge spike is people just got to the point they were fatigued, right? And just either let their guard down or just didn't give a shit anymore. Right. It was like hanging out with people was more important than stopping the spread. Uh, and, you know, it, but it, it is, it's kind of a fascinating thing that unlike say a zombie apocalypse where we're all fighting for our lives, like this pandemic for the most part, for most people has been an internal struggle. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. If you're an extrovert, I find it's like, you know, it presents its own challenges and introverts from some of them that I've talked to, they're like, 
yeah, I don't know. It's not, it's not as challenging, but I, I, I'm not going to paint everyone with the, with the same brush with that comment. But I had recently read an article on uh, CNN and it said that in just this month in January of 2021, there was more deaths due to suicide in Japan than all COVID deaths in 2020. Wow. So that was just like an article that I read and I was just like, that doesn't highlight the impact of mental health and it's in and like kind of the ripple effect of or yeah the i know the ripple effect the secondary effects of covid um like that paints a really clear picture and and i don't i haven't been to japan i don't know what it's like but i mean i think you know, I remember seeing a, a graph pretty early on in the first wave of COVID in BC, and there was, um, you know, just like an X and a Y uh, like graph, and there was like the amount of COVID deaths like over each month, and then it was compared to like overdosing from like different drugs, and you know that there was more basically, and uh, but you know the the media hadn't covered nowhere near the amount of coverage on on those deaths as opposed to COVID. So yeah, you know, people are very isolated and um, it's uh, it's a very challenging time, but but you can't see it, it's it's invisible. And so it, it makes it that much more difficult, so. Yeah, I have to say for us, like working out, and we've been really religious about it, it's pretty much every two days, but it's been really a godsend yeah. because I don't know what else I would have. I think it would have definitely have affected me. You know, I feel it a little bit, but I don't think as not as much as it could be as far as the negative part of COVID and being where we're at. Cause I'm too tired. <laughs> <laughs> well, and actually one of the, one of the things that I think is kind of uh, interesting too, though, is that we actually have a why. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, we've done episodes about it in our podcast, but there's, there's, there's like things that drive us, things that we're passionate about, um, things that are our val, you know, tie into our values. And so it's one of those things when you actually have kind of a beacon that's guiding you, um, then it's just adapting your path around the obstacles in its way versus, um, you know, if you'd been living a life in a sense, almost on autopilot and then it's entirely upended Mm -hmm. and you have all this time, but there wasn't sort of a guiding beacon for you. um, Then I think you end up with so much more because you have so much more introspective time. You don't have the distractions, you know, like if you're not going to work 40 or 50 hours a week and you're not running to grab the kids and you're not, well, now you actually have to stew with yourself. Um, and, and what we're and asking, what is, why am I doing all yeah. for what, you know? Right. Um, and, and I think one of the interesting things is that when, um, you know, there, there's sort of the, the, I didn't invent this, but the, the phrase, if you know your why, the how will take care of itself. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I think it's one of those things of like, uh, the people who have used this time um, and and sort of went, oh, what's actually important to me, right? Why am I doing what I'm doing? You know, because they actually have the time to think about these things now. Um, I think are in a position to come out of this with sort of more meaning, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because I think that's sort of the, the hard part that so many people have run into is, uh, they were faced with the reality that they, you know, they were going through motions, but they hadn't figured out what was meaningful to them. Uh, and it's almost like uh, emerging from religion, um, you know, or or conspiracy theory thinking. When you emerge from that, because that was your worldview, now you've got to create a new worldview to take its place. Yeah. Um, and you're kind of lost for a while. Your perceptions are based off of influences. So how you look at things that you're fearful of, for example, 
where's that coming from? Is that work, family? And are they your own, as you were saying earlier, right? And um, you need to let go of that. I guess that's why I keep focusing on meditating. It's good for you. <laughs> like, um, you know, release uh, everything and all those and clean the slate when you, when you uh, uh, confront a new opportunity or a challenge, um, you know, do your own research. Yeah. Well, I guess, I guess that's the thing. How have you found your why or how did you find your meaning uh, that kind of drives you? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, there's a great segue because I know we were going to talk about vision, mission and values and and the importance of it. And I think um, the last place that I worked at in Winnipeg went through a big, uh, there's a lot of structural change, but there was a lot of um, like culture change. And there was a lot of work done on revising, updating yeah, revising and updating and creating a new vision, mission and values for the company. And having gone through that experience uh, from a professional standpoint, going through work, that was great. I really enjoyed that. And, um, and then I, I just took that experience and just kind of applied it to my own life. And I went through creating my own company vision, mission, and values right before I got incorporated. I was like, step one, before I get incorporated and start taking on clients, I'm actually going to just spend a little bit of time and create my own company vision, mission, and values. And I thought it was important because I had spent enough time understanding why it's important at the last place that I worked at. And I thought, well, it's just me. The company is just me. Um, I could kind of make my company vision, mission, and values, uh, or it should be a direct reflection of my own personal company or my own personal vision, mission, and values. And so to go through that exercise was really good. Um, and I'll, sh- I'll share what my, what my company slash personal vision, mission, and values are. So Um, So this is for Douglas Marketing. It's to bring forth and share the best in companies. That's my vision. My mission is strategically share valuable and genuine content. And then my values are authenticity and transparency. So I have a vision of like any client that I take on is uh, my, my vision is to bring forth the best and share the best of that company. And I think how that relates to me personally is anybody that I build relationships with, um, I think I have an eye or a skill in being able to see the light or the positives in people. And I think I'm able to bring that out in people and then let others see what I see, sometimes without maybe not them knowing or... Uh, I know. Anyway, so that kind of is like my vision with my company is I want to bring forth and share the best in these companies that I just feel like there's something there. They're just, they're not showing it. Maybe they don't know how, and then it's my goal to, to bring that out in them. Um, and how I'm going to do that. The mission is, is how you're going to achieve the mission, um, is through strategically sharing valuable and genuine content. So I think that's like an important marketing angle to, to do that. But if I was to do that one-on-one with someone, it would be through the same thing, sharing genuine like and valuable content and doing it in an authentic and transparent way. I think, I think that all kind of flows together really nicely. Um, and your vision, whether it's company vision or if you want to go through an exercise of creating your own personal vision should be something that's almost never attainable. Like it's always like there, but once you reach it, it should be, there should be like more. So like, you know, if I share, you know, one amazing quality of a company and I do that, that's great. But like, I'm not done. There's like, there should be more there that I should be able to try and pull out and share Um, with one person. You know, there, if I am able to have a really great conversation and pull out some really good 
nuggets of whatever that somebody's going to get something from great but they probably have a lot more of those and so you just like it should always be kind of once you once you reach it there should always be something more that you're always trying like it shouldn't just be to acquire x and then once you've reached it i don't know the, it's the gold at the end of the rainbow because i think yeah, yeah i think you gotta have that aspect of there's always something more using a climbing analogy if you did do that climb and you reach like your peak great there's always another climb you know and then go after that so um yeah i guess just like going through that exercise personally really it's it's just you if you have a vision like you said like it's it's just a guiding star that just you can kind of operate your day-to-day -day life and have a direction that you're kind of working towards and it doesn't have to be crystal clear but it can be like just a direction that uh, that kind of guides you and like spending a little bit of time on values kind of helps you with how you want to get there and then you know your mission is just breaking down how you think you can best reach whatever your vision is mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think uh, basically that type of thing, I think, is what, if you want to think of like a, a silver lining to COVID, mm -hmm. is giving people, not everybody's introspective, right? You know, not everybody, like some people just want, you know, and power to you, <laughs> um, you know, they sort of just want the simple and, you know, like, somebody's watching the bachelor <laughs> um but <laughs> you know and all those shows um but fundamentally you know you run into that thing where where uh one of the problems of modern life is for all the conveniences we have we are we have less free time or perceptibly free time because you know, what would normally be free time is spent, you know, distracted with Facebook and Instagram and, you know, like we're walking around with an entertainment unit in our pocket. So, so uh, I think a lot of modern technology has uh, inadvertently or maybe on purpose <laughs> um, taken away like our introspective time. Oh, right? totally. Because nobody just stands in a line and doodles in their head. Yeah. Google on their phone. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You're talking uh, Simon Sinek right there about how, like, I, I don't know if you've heard of like his, his talk, but he's not, but I don't know that. I one. Heard this one, yeah. he, he just talks about like, you know, talking about like innovation and like, you know, we're always like glued to our phones and just how, you know, when you put technology away and you stand in line, for example, like if you just stand there and you're not on your phone, you just like kind of look around like thoughts pop into your head and like you you have time to think that in introspective time just gets you know more of it has just been consumed with technology that it's misguided you've got the algorithm working against you yeah so you're you're getting ideas they're just not your own they're not your own right yeah. because either way we you know like our brain short of sleeping and even in REM sleep, it's doodling ideas. Um, so either you're getting the ideas from the outside, right? And enough of them that they become self-reinforcing uh, basically leads to sort of like the QAnon kind of nonsense, right? Where basically people are just getting enough, you know, information uh, and you're in marketing, so you you know the the old marketing adage that you know somebody needs to see something you know x amount of times mm. um, to start to earn some trust, and they only see it one out of nine times you advertise. So you need to advertise higher volume, you know, whether it's newspaper or radio ads or whatever, so that they're they're getting it repetitiously. You know, anything they see repetitiously, um, they're going to give more credibility to uh than something that they don't 
um, you know, that they only see once or what have you. So it comes into a thing where because the algorithm feeds you stuff that you already are predisposed to, then you end up with this kind of feedback loop. And so you're seeing the same kind of nonsense over and over. So you believe the nonsense. Um, yeah. the, the flip side, of course, is, you know, because that's sort of an external stimulus. Um, but if you take away those stimuluses, and I, I refer to it as the elves in the back of the shop, um, you know, because when somebody goes, I have an I, you know, like, this just popped into my head, or, I, you know, I have a, you know, I have an intuition about something, right? What it is, is just the fact that, you know, the elves in the back, they're doing all the work. And then they just sort of sent it out front to you going, you know, like, it's almost like somebody handed you a slip of paper and, oh, okay, I have an idea. <laughs> no, no, they did all the work, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's really a fascinating thing when you think about how much of, it's it's your brain, it's attached in your body, but how much of the ideas and intuitions and, and um gut instincts and all that kind of thing that are ours, we have no conscious control over. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I think that's the first time I really hit home that concept right now, how much of our subconscious is being informed because of mindless. How many times are you in the line? Because and because I know in the old days, we all be like be tapping our feet. <laughs> like what the, you know, like let's hurry up, right? In the grocery line. <laughs> Where today it's like, oh, I'll just get my phone. <laughs> You know, and, and you're mindlessly looking and are you really paying attention? You're not, it's almost like driving on autopilot, right? And what are you picking up? Garbage, really. And it takes away from your own intu intuition or creativity, independence to come up with your own thought. Or, or, yeah, or what you were doing is you would start up a conversation with someone in mind. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Now you have your earbuds in and your hoodie up. It's like, don't talk to me. <laughs> yeah. Like you would build a face-to-face, -face, you know, interaction with, with someone that might lead to who knows, whatever type of relationship, but just that alone would just be like, I don't know, you're, you're making a connection with someone that you're not swiping left or right or texting yeah. or, or messaging on social media. Because it's those preconceived notions that are developed by our, you know, work, environmental, social media paradigm, like all those paradigms, right? Like all those influences that determines whether or not you'll try new things. Like how you view the world. What I, wonder, I wonder, and this is just sort of a thing that popped in my head. I wonder if the, especially for the people, the younger people were Instagram which is like a curated perfect life most of the time, yeah. right? Um, I wonder how many people are risk or failure averse because, you know, so many things that we're exposed to only show the good part of it. Yeah, the successes, the wins. We should do a hashtag movement for real life. You know. <laughs> like just woke up in real life. <laughs> Failure is cool. <laughs> no, but seriously, real life. <laughs> the kids are getting screaming. Yeah, no, totally. You're absolutely right, Winston. Like, yeah, I think there is. Uh, yeah, I think there is a lot of that. I just watched. There's a great ad that Dove did. Um, this was like a number of years ago. And uh, I just found it on YouTube and I just watched it and I shared it with, with someone and it's a, a time-lapse, but it's a reverse time-lapse of an ad. And I don't know if you remember, or you know, some people might've seen this one, but um, basically there's a model, a female uh, woman that just sits down in the chair. She's got, she just looks like a normal woman and it's a time-lapse of her sitting down and she's got, you know, like blemishes on her face or, you know, pimples. And anyways, the time lapse goes and it's only like less than a minute. And there's all the makeup that's applied, then the hair is done. And then they take pictures and then they elongate her neck and then they take in her cheekbones and then like make her eyes bigger. And then the end, 
picture and like a bunch of it is photoshopped and makeup and then and then it zooms out and then it's that picture the finished product is on the billboard and then it goes to a black screen and says no wonder our perception of uh beauty is distort distorted and it's like it's so true and i think there's you know you could apply kind of the similar thought around your perception of life or people that are bloggers or whatever they're sharing on social media it's like you're only seeing just remember that you're only seeing what they are deciding to share and they're probably sharing you know the good stuff i think there's some really good influencers out there that are really transparent and they do share a lot of like real stuff jillian harris i think is one of them off the top of my head but yeah i think that uh you are probably inundated or the young generation, younger generation is inundated with like a false perception of reality and what these people's lives are actually like. Yeah. And I, I wonder too, if, uh, because there's already been like studies done on this, that um, if your life is not what you want it to be, but you're seeing all of these curated mm. travel and, Lamborghinis and you know all the sort of bullshit you see on Instagram um then basically people end up with this sort of like negative feedback loop because that's not me that's not me I can't you know well that's not anybody right you know or or the the number of people that actually can live that lifestyle uh well we got to work and we got to this and we got to that and you know we're not either independently wealthy or you know, haven't reached a point where that's our business, you know, because essentially they're a product at that point. Um, and so we, we know that that can affect people's um, sense of self-worth, right? Because it, it's kind of the taking the keeping up with the Joneses um, virtual, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> yeah. And, but the fact is, is like uh, all external um, uh, validation, right? You got the good job, you got the money, you got the car, you know, all the things you, you quote unquote wanted. Like, it's almost like you have to achieve all of those things to realize, um, oh wait, I'm still feel shitty and broken. So I have to work on myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, like the overarching theme that we're talking about is like happiness. And I think we're all trying to strive for that. And you kind of just reworded a great quote that Jim Carrey had, which is, I think, if everyone, I think he says something like, if everyone, I wish everyone got everything they ever wanted or became as wealthy and everything that they wished that they were, and then realized that it wasn't the answer. And so I think, I think there's a lot of wisdom there and I've been trying to break down happiness into a formula or just look at certain things that will lead me to living a more fulfilling life. If you want to word it that way. Um, and I think leaning into fear is one aspect of the formula because you are doing something that is probably going to, help you grow and when you grow you are you you i, I think there's uh, endorphins that are released and so you do feel happy i think the more that you help others and you get out of your own head i think that leads to i think happiness uh, or you experience some sort of happiness like that selflessness um and I think just not just equals happiness, but I think if you just do things that you are trusting your gut on, I think you'll live a more fulfilling life. And one thing that's helped me with that, and maybe will resonate with uh, maybe a lot of men more so than women, I don't know, but maybe, um, is I watched this short video from Tim Ferriss, He's got his own podcast, author of Four Hour Work Week and a number of other books. But he talks about um, like how to trust your intuition or gut. And it's like if it's a full body yes, 
then do it. And what he means by that is he breaks it down to if it's a yes in your mind or your head, if it's a yes in your heart, and if it's a yes in your gut. And if there's two two of three of those that are saying yes, um, don't do it. It's got to be like a full body yes. So what do you think, do about dumb people that have like a full body? <laughs> yes. For dumb things. <laughs> well, maybe, I know a lot of those. <laughs> yeah. Maybe but, you're just going to learn from something like that. And then it's, the is, and then you don't. <laughs> like, I know that sort of, that's, that's sort of one of the hard things. You're going to take an IQ test. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that really is one of the things that it doesn't get talked about. And, you know, I'm sort of being flippant when I say dumb. Um, but the fact is, is that there are people who make, you know, like they, they have, you know, in their head, it makes sense in their heart. Oh, yes. And, you know, in their gut or their balls or whatever, <laughs> you know, down below their feeling, they, they, they go for it wholeheartedly it's an abject failure and then they do the exact same thing again you know yeah. like variation but it's like it, it's sort of that that uh doing the same over thing over and over again and expecting a different outcome is like the definition of insanity well based on that there's a lot of insane people out there mm -hmm. right like there's a, a lot of what we're talking about a lot of what you talk about on your podcast you know it, it's about going on the adventure which is sort of the unknown journey right like that's what an adventure is if you're doing something you know how to do exactly the same uh and you're doing it over and over again that's not really an adventure even though it might be in an adventure field right um and so it when you have people um you know who whether listen to this or they go to some motivational seminar or all these different things but the, it, there seems to be like a uh, some people have the capacity to, you know, like learn from the mistakes. Mm. Um, and, and it seems that there are people that intrinsically just, uh, it's almost like they're, they're in a video game, like they're non-playable characters <laughs> because they're just going to behave the same every time they play it. Hmm. You know, saying, um, but I think change is hard for them. I know some people like that. Mm -hmm. They don't yeah. want what they know. What they know is comfortable, even though it is uncomfortable, and they're unhappy with it. But they can't get past either the self work that they got to do. But it's usually something uncomfortable. In, they're insecure about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think mindfulness is another like factor or thing and, you know, just being as present as you can mm -hmm. every day, I think is, um, I don't know what that's like an ingredient in the soup of happiness is like mindfulness. I think if you can just be present, um, something that I've just learned not long ago, um, like an interesting tip that I'm going to be just more mindful of as I carry on my day is apparently if you, if you pay attention to your tongue, your tongue is connected to, I think it's the left side of your brain and uh, which is connected to like thoughts. And so if you're, if you're finding that your tongue, and I think for most people, it's usually on the roof of your mouth um, and you can be maybe, I think when you're stressed, I think it's like up. And if you focus your attention on your tongue, and try to relax like your jaw and then your tongue and let it like kind of slide like back, like into the resting position of like your mouth. The more times that you're like relaxed. Yeah, like more, more that. Just stick it. I get silly. <laughs> but I think there is, I think actually if you are more mindful of the position of your tongue and try to relax it, you will actually open up your mind to like new thoughts and um, maybe like a similar trick to like, you know, a, a dirty meme. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh well, yeah. Any thoughts can <laughs> pop into your head. Uh, <laughs> Go on. Yeah. yeah but yeah, no, it's just something that I've thought of that I'm like, oh, okay, well maybe next time I don't know 
I'm watching TV or whatever, I'm just not in my head. If I want to get back to like being present, I'm just going to think, where is my tongue right now? Can I relax it more? And then maybe that will like open up some pathways to like new, new thoughts. Um, I, and I, wonder, I wonder with that, whether it's specifically the tongue or, you know, it'd be interesting to sort of do, you know, if there somebody smarter than me would have to come up with a study, but whether it's the, the actually um, having an intention, right? So in this case, you're focusing on your tongue or if you focused on your breathing or if you focused on, you know what I mean? Like it's taking you from, you know, worrying about the future, regretting your past to focused on something now. Um, yeah. I wonder if that part of it is what is the catalyst. So whether it's, you know, it'd be an interesting thing uh, because I find whether it's uh, breathing, the tongue thing's new to me, uh, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's like intently focusing on a, on a skill, uh, yeah. physical, you know, whatever it happens to be and being, when you're, when you're doing something with intention, it makes you pay attention to it, which means you're present. Um, and I wonder if that's one of those things where, where if you're too much of your brain is thinking about the past and the future, you're not thinking about now. That's right. Uh, and you know, so yeah, it's just an interesting, like, I wonder if it's just the act of doing anything with intention that actually accomplishes that. Totally. So like, yeah, you can focus on like your breath or, I mean, you could intentionally just like make a fist and close it and just focus on that for like a minute and probably be present. And there would be something to that too, mm -hmm. probably. I think there's definitely something to be said about not multitasking and just downtime from other sources of information, mm -hmm. um, which actually today's chat made me realize the need to do more of. Yeah. Getting well, because multitasking, I've always referred to it as it's how you do a whole bunch of things shittily. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah you truly do. Yeah. Because if it like focus on, you know, what you're doing. You know, and, and segment your day so you can get a bunch of things done in the day, like, you know, block your day off so that you have time periods for each thing, set a timer, you know, there's a bunch of tricks to it. But the idea of trying to do a bunch of things at once, you know, we're going to do anything well, right? Yeah. I think yeah. a lot of times when they refer to multitasking, um, nobody explains what it is. And really what we're talking about is sort of some sort of time management throughout your day. So it's not that you're trying to do a bunch of things at once. It's just you're getting a bunch of things done in the day. Uh, and, uh, you know. Yeah, like I was, I, I was listening to a podcast while grocery shopping yesterday, right? It's a, it's a dead time, like you said. And I know if I did not listen to the podcast and I just went grocery shopping, I probably would have completed grocery shopping in a shorter amount of time. Because yeah. I'm listening and I'm getting distracted because I'm paying attention to that. But then I'm looking for where's the oranges and like it's not as effective i think like yeah so but you you can fill those time and i'm okay to make that sacrifice because i do get some enjoyment out of doing those two things at the same time with this past year of covid what have been some of the most beautiful moments that have happened this year hmm. yeah i mean i guess on a professional level i've always known that part of the time i can do my job remotely and i don't physically have to be in the office and i've been like trying to convince past employers that like what i'm trying to say is there's a balance and i don't have to be here all the time and the work output will not change in fact it'll probably be maybe even like better and so i think having covid has opened everyone's minds and i think in the future if i went back to work it would be a lot easier to try and pitch that and actually achieve what i'm trying to achieve which is more of truly a work-life balance so i find that i think that will um not be as much of an uphill battle for a lot of people because i think i think covid 
uh, I don't know. I don't know what else would have caused our society to hit pause and actually slow us down. And yes, there's been a lot of negative side effects with that, but there is a lot of silver linings um, with it. And I think hopefully more people on the whole will live a more like work-life balanced life, you know, like in, especially in bigger cities where you're spending so much time in your week commuting. If you, if you cut that down, even by one day, you're going to save a lot of time. You're going to have more time with family or doing other things that um, you now have time to do. So I think that has been, I think, a, a net positive for society and me included. Um, uh, beautiful things that have happened this year, other things. Um, I don't know. I look at like the calendar year and it's just like a roller coaster. It was just like, there was like months of like, yeah, this is great. Oh, I love it. Oh. And then next month it was just like, how long is this going to last? This is exhausting. I am getting zoom fatigue and FaceTime fatigue. And like, <laughs> so, uh, to try and pinpoint the like really high times, I mean, being in a new place, I was exposed to like a lot of new, like outdoor nature. And like, I just, I love, I think that Japanese have a term like taking a forest bath when you're like just walking through the trees and like out here we're surrounded by huge like ponderosa pines and just like beautiful trees and being out in nature has been definitely a highlight. The golden highlight of the year has been my wife and I are expecting and you know we're we're due any any week now and that you know is consuming the most of my headspace and I'm just like overjoyed and absolutely thrilled. I've been just like a puddle of like emotions lately. Cause I'm just like, I'm so excited. So, I mean, that's definitely <clears throat> the highlight. Um, but I think there's been just a lot of beautiful moments of just being, I mean, being here, just being like having my, breath taken away by like the nature, the beauty, like BC is truly spectacular. And you can just like go on a hike and, you know, put your back next to a tree and just take it all in. And it's, it's not hard to do to just be enveloped by the beauty of nature. So I think there's been so many moments of, of that out here that I'm like, really, I, I soaked it in, but then I also have this guilt of like, oh, I know how hard it is for so many people too. Um, can I allow myself to like enjoy this pristine place? Um, so it's, it's been like a, like an inward struggle as well. And then with your podcast this year, and you launched it this year, wasn't that? Isn't that true? Uh, no, I actually launched it in, uh, I think it was December of 2018. But yeah, no, this year with the podcast has been great. What's been some of your most favorite episodes? I just had a really good one that I just launched with um, her name, Sarah Bulford, and she's uh, she lives in Squamish, BC, and she is, uh, I think, just lives this amazing outdoor BC lifestyle. But I came across her because I read an article called Why I Quit My Dream Job, and it just sounded something like, oh, that's, that's different. And so she worked towards and attained becoming a park ranger at a BC national park and finally did it and then shared her experience over the years of the toll that that job had on her and uh, just her relationship with nature and how's the, how that's changed. And that was really interesting from me being like a prairie boy moving to the mountains and being so in awe of nature. And I just, I truly just appreciate it. But then seeing the effects of over tourism and funding cuts to BC national parks and just like a misallocation of resources. And it's just kind of painting a really bad, sad reality picture of, you know, we got to change how we're taking care and living with our environment because we're, 
just we're not doing the big things that I think need to be done and just uh, you know there's a lack of education people going into the wild you guys probably speak to this just like you know from like feeding animals to not picking up your trash to just like not having that education to um education of being out in nature and living with nature and not destroying it and so that episode was really eye-opening and uh, educational for me and, and I think a lot of other people will probably get a lot from that episode the bad answer is all of them that's such a terrible answer but like actually this year we were going past like looking back at the looking year. what we did right and we, we actually felt I felt a little bit down I was just a little bit um, you lost your mojo I did <laughs> I did but when I looked back at everything that all those stories we did I'm like that was a good story that was this year it felt like it was last year right because yeah. sometimes you wonder, what did we do this year? Because we didn't have the same personal interactions as we normally do. Yeah, because, you know, one of the things we'll do is, like, we'll travel yeah. places, take the kit with us, and interview right. people, you know. Like, you know, we did Cody Bradford in his van down in Vegas. And, you know, uh, we'll, we'll talk to a ranger down in the Adirondack Mountains when we were down there, you know? So it's it's kind of like mixing the adventures with the people in their environment and everything. Yeah. Um, and obviously we weren't able to do much of that this year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was tough. But yeah, it, it ended up being an interesting, like I'm proud of the body of work we did yeah. in 2020. Yeah, so I think that's a good sign because sometimes- I'm just enjoying all the conversations that I have and, um, yeah. For listeners to hear more, tell us more about the Dean Douglas show. Oh, sure. Um, so basically it's been traditionally like a longer format podcast, usually anywhere from uh, maybe on the short end, like an hour. And then on the long end, there's a couple episodes that are over three hours. So I, and I got started because I was originally inspired by the Joe Rogan podcast and the Tim Ferriss podcast. I love listening to those conversations and, and I saw how much fun they were having. And I really liked not just the guests that they had on, but I liked learning more about the host. And I thought, I think this would be really great. I was kind of craving having more meaningful connections and relationships. I had like experienced kind of like a falling out of like my core group of friends growing up um, over the last... I don't know, like maybe like five or so years. And so I was just missing like having more meaningful relationships and, and conversations. I was really craving like conversations that had some substance personally. And so I thought podcasting was great. I'm like, oh man, and longer format. You had one to one or two to one a conversation that was you know generally like uninterrupted and you could really go down rabbit holes and talk about all different things not just like kind of peel away layers of different topics with different people and so I thought this is a great platform to be able to do that I want to do this and so I bought a blue yeti microphone on amazon for like a hundred bucks and then I just asked some friends at the beginning friends that I wanted to develop like a little bit more deeper relationships with and get to know them a little bit more asked if they wanted to be on a podcast podcasting was becoming cool so I've I I don't think I've ever had anyone say no to a podcast um I think people have because they're like oh I don't know if I'd be interesting enough or whatever and I'm just like no like it's my job to like going back to my vision like pull out the best and like share you know, them with, with the world. So um, it was just a great platform to be able to, to do that. And then I just get to learn a lot about other people and many different topics. Like, yeah. So I guess it, it long and short is each episode is very different. Um, and it's just me getting to know um, the guest a little bit better and then diving into various different topics. Nice. Yeah. So if people want to find your podcast, www.deandouglasshow.com dot uh dot com and uh i mean you can just search dean douglas on any podcast platform and it'll pop up and and yeah you can connect with me on instagram at dean douglas show and that's that's yeah. pretty much it well right
Well, thank you for being on with us. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate yeah. it. it was a good chat. I have a bit here of a summary of what I think guides you. And you talked a bit about fear and trust your gut and mindfulness. So it's, it's, it's an important topic. I mean, people are trying to figure out how to navigate these days and big whys are coming up. So a little yeah. time introspection, you know, get away from the, uh, the Googles. Yeah, the programming. <laughs> What it actually it's like basically the fact that we're so influenced by that type of thing yeah. just proves how dumb we all are. We're just it's basically our brain is a computer and somebody's just figured out a way to hack it. Oh yeah, totally. You know. Totally. So now we just need to like be those cool hackers in the movies and like hack it back. Or just turn yeah. off. <laughs> well, we still want to be in control of it, don't you? Yeah. 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 So yeah, so if that's if that's the only thing anybody takes away from this episode, um, social media is um, like uh, uh, computer hacking your brain, and um, you can be like a white hat hacker and um, hack your brain back. I feel like we need a meme. Totally. <laughs> ah, I'm just saying. You know, uh, if we're if we're gonna sum things up for the day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, this is great. Thanks so much. You guys really appreciate you having me on, uh, on the podcast. And do you think we're going to get the, the sign off? Correct. Worker. Play dirty. <laughs> Cause we fuck it up every time. So <laughs> work hard, play dirty. <laughs>